Welcome to the Spike Feed, your leading Magic the Gathering podcast. What is up? My name is Curtis, and I'm just your typical Spike. On the line with me, my good buddy, executive producer, and Brothers Ward sealed expert, expert. Cameron McCoy. My friend, how you doing? Good, man. You know, it's been a, uh, a pretty decent weekend of magic, movies, and video games. I mean, One could not ask for. for more, right? Yeah. Pure escaping reality. Yeah. yeah. It's what we're all about in this show. <laughs> so, um, dude, uh, just full disclosure. So, I'll, I'll get into my week here in a bit, but I am waiting for the arena release for Brothers War. Sounds like you got into it. Um... And I'm curious, because this is something that kind of came up, um, are the Transformers cards in these sealed packs? Are the old artifacts in these sealed packs? So like, the old artifacts are the... I didn't see a single Transformer. Okay, so those are just in the set boosters or collector's boosters, I, but I, not the sealed... I, I'm not going to speak to that. I don't know. I don't know. You did not open a star a star scream, is what I'm asking. Sadly, no, I didn't, no star scream for me. Oh uh, well, what are we even doing? Cancel this show. So anyway, I'm curious about that because I saw some chatter that maybe some things about this set felt a little like they lacked continuity. And mm. I, I, if you didn't feel that, you didn't feel that. But I, give me your overall impressions of the set, what you played, etc. Yeah. Uh. So did the uh, the noon married guide flight. Um. That is like the perfect thing. Screw this staying up till midnight thing. I'll be yeah, there right. promptly at noon. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so Brothers War seems like a really good sealed product um, on its own. Um, it felt like there was a lot of diversity, which I really, really liked within the context of sealed. Um, is this going to help standard? No. Not at all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, I played a blue-white soldiers list. Um, ended up going 2-2, and I just dropped after that just because the afternoon was getting a little late. Um, and yeah, man, it's um, I, I played this like blue-white soldiers list that was um, good, but not great. Like there, There's definitely some great, amazing cards that were in it. Um, the, I can't even remember what the one that was like amazing for me, but it was essentially, I gave all my soldiers plus one, plus one. Um, it was like a creature that you could activate. Um, we don't do card names on this show. Whatever. Yeah. Anyway, I will just say like what I was playing felt like the mechanics were actually working the way they were intended to work. And in draft more than sealed, I think like those will really kind of get slotted in and actually be something worthwhile. I think um, it, it just definitely more than sealed. This this set really feels like I'm going to be this black-red sacrifice deck. I'm going to be this blue-white flyers soldiers deck. And um, they, they definitely, what I'm saying is like I really like just how they're they're picking the pies and like you're, you're going to fit these archetypes, um, mm-hmm. which sometimes I don't always feel like the sealed or the, the the limited actually works out that way. There's a couple times in the recent past where I've always I've had some gripes just because it felt like archetypes don't really matter, whatever. Um, but overall, I like the set. Like I I I I thought it was just good in in a um, 
in a limited context. But like I said, I'm really questioning what in this thing is actually going to actually shake up standard. And other than just reinforce that black, red X is probably the thing that you should probably be doing in, in standard just because there's so many things that are just so good. <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I realize that the, the power stones, like in terms of just how the set will affect the metagame, I, I'm very much taking a wait and see mm-hmm. stance, but the power stone thing feels like it's not going to do a lot. Right, mm-hmm. because they come into play tab, because they can only tap for other artifacts, because we're limited right now to one artifact set. I, I mean, the synergy has to be really on point with some of these cards for it to be able to keep up with Fable. You know, all the cus- all the yeah. customers that we've been evaluating before, right? So, um, <coughs> I'm with you. I'm probably going to be drafting this set a pretty extensive amount just to kind of get going with it. I, I think uh, you'll like it. Like the the archetypes really kind of fit, and like I don't know, there there's some bombs that are just like ridiculous, but um, overall, like I really liked like what it was trying to do. I just there's just like the weight of standard <laughs> kind of hanging over it. Tell you what, let's put a pin in standard. Mm. Let's come back because we're certainly going to be discussing that. I here's my anecdote. So. As I kind of told you, I've been struggling with how to interact with Paper Magic. Um, this is the first one in a while where they've decided to do the paper pre-release before the digital pre-release, which is something I support, and I think we should do things like that more often to support our LGSs, okay? Um, I don't know that it releasing arena on Arena early ruins the LGS experience, but you do have somebody like me... Uh, I will grind out as many as possible uh, drafts or seals before I show up to the pre-release that I know I'm going to go to. And so I feel like I know the set inside out where the other people don't. So I kind of like it being a simultaneous release or a physical release first. Mm-hmm. The, 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 the rumor uh, that I'm sure you've heard on the streets, Cameron, is that um, Watsi is using this Brothers War pre-release as a test. And if the test does not pan out, if it like drastically affects their digital bottom line or their physical doesn't change, that they'll revert back to the way that they were before, right? So okay. some LGSs, some bigger ones have like been pushing, hey, please come out, please like juice the numbers, that kind of thing. And for their part, I really hope that that's the case. <clears throat> I have this problem of literal no paper standard fires near me. So if I were to open any of this, I don't know what I would do with it. And I actually have had this problem. I have some cards that I need to like probably just send off to a service or drive up to your shop in Des Moines. Like I have a borderless cavernous souls that I keep meaning to sell off to get something else. I don't know what something else would be. Mm-hmm. Right. And I just, I want to take like five minutes and talk flesh and blood in comparison. All right. This is not going to be a flesh and blood metagame talk. Okay, Um, but I've decided because that is a much more not well populated scene, but vibrant scene. And you can feel it when you're at some of these shops. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, So just to give you an idea, I thought it was crazy that Flesh and Blood would release a set the same day that they would release a magic set. Doesn't that seem like counterintuitive, not what you would want to do, etc.? Yes. (laughs) At the shop I was at, 
And by the way, this flesh and blood product, some of them are not ones that you can play limited. Some are, but this was an expansion. So you had to actually arrive with a deck, right? And the new cards were legal. So it was not a limited cable. There were 10 flesh and blood players for the pre-release and 12 for the magic pre-release, which is unthinkable. And this is a shot, by the way, that I told you I've seen 50 plus at a pre-release before. Now, there's a flight on Saturday and a flight on Sunday that I did not go to. While I was there, they sold out of flesh and blood booster boxes for the release. So how many that is, I don't know, but they posted, we're gone, we're out, right? So that's a shocking thing. And almost everybody I was playing flesh and blood with was buying booster boxes, right? Like wow. I considered just doing it just because. Um, they have their own separate room for it as well at this place. And it's a small little like, converted apartment upstairs and you go in and they have all their flesh and blood posters up and stuff like that but what was really interesting is two of my three opponents were ex-legacy players Cameron interesting both of them had also played at some of Jeremy's events and had said things like I'm not a commander player I didn't know where to go here we are so it just felt like I was talking to myself six months down the line from right now yeah. And very accommodating and very helpful because there's a lot of complexity to the game that I'm like in the process of learning. Good news, I went two and two. So for the first time ever, I did not go defeated at a flesh and blood event. Okay. So g- growth, we're always trying to, always improving, to use our friends at Constructed uh, Criticism's uh, mantra. Um, but the fact that the the game has kind of a physical nature to it, and I know that sounds corny, but the fact that you can't really play a digital version and then there's these kind of cards that people were chasing, it really, dude, I'm telling you, it felt like magic 10 years ago. Hmm. And it was very palpable and very strong, and I was just like, do I just need to walk out of here and buy a deck? Like, I, you know, do I need to sell off x hundreds of dollars worth of magic cards and do this or do i just so i'm kind of cooling my jets i'm going to give it like a a month longer but the first impression was very very positive and multiple stores in my area have sold out of it so it's incredible the success and like again this should not be happening this is a company that is should not be competing with pokemon Yu-Gi-Oh, and much less magic right yeah um but I, I've really enjoyed it. There are some massive problems with the game that I can like get into at another time. But the the first impression slash I guess this would be third impression at this stage has been very strong. Um, anyway, so I did that, and that kind of became my thing that I did for myself this weekend, right? Um, but I walked by the Brothers War pre-release. People were having a good time, you know. I, and so I was like, okay, I'll get to Brothers War here in a second. One thing that I I really really miss about Magic. Tell me if you've heard this one before. Or tell me if you felt this way before. There's no real binder grinding. I don't even know how to explain it anymore. There's no real, like, when a set is opened, and it used to be when there was a pre-release, there was a whole table of dudes just trading. Remember this? Oh, yeah. Our friend Dustin. (laughs) Yeah. Former show co-host Dustin, much less just everybody. Yeah. Like, I would be after particular cards... And a lot of times I would get stuff post-rotation. But that felt like a thing that was happening in Flesh and Blood that was not happening in Magic. Now, part of that is there's no singles market for Flesh and Blood in these shops that I'm at. 
you either buy boxes or you don't or booster packs. There is no do you see what I'm saying? There's no yeah. like, hey, I need X, Y, or Z. But because stuff hasn't been printed into the ground, um, things kind of weirdly have value. And they did a raffle for promos, and a guy won the promo, and people were after him to buy it in cash or trade for it, like right away. And I had this moment of like, when's the last time I've seen that happen in a Magic the Gathering event? That a promo was so white hot that as soon as they were handed out, people were after it. Mm-hmm. But that used to happen all the time, right? Like, I'm not crazy. Yeah, but I mean, you got about 30 different variants of whatever card you need. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's interesting, man. So it, uh, there were these things that I don't necessarily know that I miss or want to be involved in, but it was, it was uh, a very potent hmm. vibe. So my challenge to you is, Cameron, um, is don't worry. We're not dropping anything here, guys. We're still a magic show. We can't let go of that SEO. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I would challenge you to go to a sealed or limited flesh and blood event at some point. Um, if you want to wait till you and I hang out sometime soon, mm -hmm. uh, and we can sit down and do it, but I would love to see you engage with it and just see All how right. it bounces off of you. Yeah. I need to watch some YouTube videos probably. Do any of your legacy buddies play? There are a couple that do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think it's just like an, an alternative, but, um, I don't think it, I can't, I guess I can't speak for them, but. I don't think it's latching on the way that something like a legacy tournament does, but maybe yeah. sooner. Maybe it's just a cult where I'm at. You know what I mean? But people are not just kind of a little into it, but like ready to go. One of the, I mean, they traveled to the world's tournament. Some of these people that I was with. Wow. So that's awesome. Good for them, man. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I'll just continue to kind of report but I do think it is worth engaging on, on a level of like buying starter decks and just going, hey, what do I think? But um, there's also somebody that is like uh, kind of shotgun streaming the SCG events. That So SCG themselves does not stream the events. So some dude has bought a mobile setup. I, I'm blanking on his name and I apologize, but he, he streams on YouTube live. And it's hilarious because now the camera tech has gotten so much better that... It looks better than most SCG stuff. Like he has a hand cam and stuff. Oh, no, <laughs> that's I'll awesome. Have to send you, I'll have to send you a link to his stuff. But it's just like, and you know, look, all the flesh and blood stuff doesn't get nearly the views that Magic does or anything like that, right? But uh, shout out to that guy who I will probably have to find, but it, he does a great job. Anyway, so Cameron, I want to talk to you about Magic: The Gathering in terms of standards. So, um, really. <laughs> This is an interesting little tweet that came up. So Aaron Forsythe, um, you know, a guy that works at Watsy, has been there for a long time, face of, one of the faces of Magic is how I would put it. I don't know his, oh, so he's vice president of design for Magic the Gathering, okay? Um, so here's what he tweeted, and this has like a bazillion D responses, Okay. He wrote, over the past few years, standard play has dried up in many stores. I have my own list of the possible reasons, but I'd love to hear from you about your store's community. Why has sanctioned standard play declined relative to other formats in your store? Okay, so um, some really good stuff here. 
uh, lots of replies from people that are well known in the community and people that are you know your boots on the ground average Joe player all the way up to former world champions. I'm first of all, Cameron, you have a really really strong community. I think we can't understate that on the show. It's a good um, community. Yeah. Is standard still firing at your shop? It's firing, but I mean it's a ghost town compared to what it was. Like, I mean, if we were to compare it to, like, 2014, 2015 levels, I mean, it is a fraction of that, right? But, like, across the board, though, I can't just say it's just standard. Like, this is just paper magic in general. Like, nothing has rebounded since the pandemic. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say for... And I've mentioned this, obviously, the last couple weeks, but the three stores closest to me have been destroyed at all levels that are not casual play commander. Like pre-releases used to be that you had to pre-buy your spot. You know? Uh, Or all the local stores, this is going back even further, I don't even know if you ever went with me to any of these, all the local stores in the area would rent out the convention center and they would just do nonstop flights that would hit, um, as soon as they hit 32 players, they would do a flight. And then they yeah. would the next 32 signups, another flight on and on and on. So, but let's talk about specifically standard because I see that as the market that has collapsed the most where I'm at. Um, I think everybody agrees that this is a thing. I, I, I would just say like some of the replies are like, yeah, modern's replace it. Where I'm at modern has also seen a significant, significant decline. Mm-hmm. Um, so, what can they do to rescue this, Cameron? Or can it be rescued? I don't think Standard is dead. It's going to live on Arena and yeah. is done just fine on Arena. But should we be rethinking what Standard is? Where are you at on this? Well, I think what you just said, Arena. <laughs> arena plus pandemic equals like, oh, this is an alternative. Why do I invest all this money in Standard decks? when I can just play arena and get the magic experience, you know, maybe bastardized in some point, but like, yeah, I'm getting the magic experience and playing standard. Um, I think that honestly is where we're at. Like we, we went two years without having like consistent standard coverage. We consistent standard F and M's like where it's like, it actually, genuine replaced it and i'm i mean i think i can speak as a content creator of magic and you can too that arena was a savior for us like for those those two years like i mean like it was so important um and i think we're just in this place now where why do i go back when it's just so convenient to just play arena on a tuesday night and i can get essentially the same experience (laughs) As far as like a physical magic game, um, I, I shouldn't say physical, but like just like the magic game, I'm getting that experience, just not in a physical presence, right? So, I that in a nutshell, I think that's the, the simple answer. But um, that and standard kind of sucks right now. But that's that's neither here nor there as far as like the long term longevity of standard. Well, look, let's. I, I do think it is a 5% the design of standard has not been great since the pandemic. That has not helped matters, okay? Yeah. Let's let's not get it twisted. I don't think that's the reasoning 
and I think maybe you and I differ on one, like a little bit of the psychology of it, because for you, it's like, okay, hey, Arena is this nice replacement, um, and that's how you see it, and that's how I see it too. But the fact that there's not a competitive layer that I'm also like working towards that's fair is a huge problem because the reason that you would buy into standard is okay i've got an scg event in three months i've got a ptq in four months i've got these larger goals that are associated like standard is the format that is the most reliant on competitive play and like i'm gonna be this guy and and you might disagree with me but i feel like if we were solely modern legacy competitive magic those formats would get pretty stale oh agree 100 <laughs> yeah. i would argue that modern is already quite stale um i mean i don't know how many ragavons i have to see you know and the 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 nature of standard being on every weekend was there was new tech and i don't think people always say oh the metagame and standard gets solved so quickly well, that really depends on which format we're talking about. We've had some good ones where that doesn't happen, right? Um, Arena does make it more convenient, but I, you kind of get into this chicken and the egg thing. Like, yeah, Arena makes me not as pushed to go out and play standard, but also I don't know if I would be playing standard at all if Arena didn't exist, right? Like like you were saying, in, over the pandemic, that was if I, if it was just modern on Arena... I mean, standard would probably be super dead, right? Like, I don't know yeah. what the rationale would be. But I also feel like there's a little bit of the hot dog guy meme going on here. It's like, Watsy has asked for the casual player's money in so many other ways. Yeah. And then doing the whole, hey, guys, why is nobody playing standard? And the, the problem is standard was the engine for how you set things up. Because now... This can have a trickle down. If standard paper doesn't fire, then why, like, a lot of people are like, why am I playing limited in these formats if I don't need to acquire the cards for a standard deck, right? And if you're printing cards directly for modern, why do I need to play by standard cards, right? Like, this is, this is the real crux of the issue. Pioneer is kind of, I mean, also in this really kind of weirdly stagnant place, but maybe... Maybe some cards from Brothers War could have an impact on Pioneer. That is not mm -hmm. without outside the realm of possibility. The chances of any of these cards affecting modern seem <laughs> uh, not high. Uh, yeah. That's how I would put that. Um, I mean, what do you think? Could could any thing say this? Like, what if they went to cards uh, like a year rotates every five, like a longer rotation every five years or every three years? Uh, do you think yeah. that would help it? I, that's so dangerous to say, right? Like, yeah. um, because I don't think that would actually help it. Um, but to your point, like, it doesn't matter like how much you inject of standard into maybe the legacy slash modern players field when you're printing Ragavans or you know whatever absurdity that you put in modern masters or whatever it's called um like what place does standard have anymore because like those cards will just never be like if those cards were in standard they would be, be busted beyond repair and you would have to absolutely ban them and so yeah like 
I guess to a smaller point, you're you're taking maybe like that player base that may be interested in standard for like fueling legacy and modern, and that's gone as well mm-hmm. because you're you're pouring product in other in, in those in those areas. Um, yeah, I didn't really think about that, but that could actually really be uh problematic who knew yeah like um also standard standard was the format that if you were decent you could earn your money back like you could earn the value of the deck back and nobody seems to be bringing that up and i don't know why or if like more fnms pay out in packs or whatever but again when you buy a modern deck the chances of you winning that back in store credit are not great Mm -hmm. right but it's some large FMs. You could win the price of your standard deck back. Like it would not be crazy to get yeah. a hundred, hundred and fifty bucks in store credit whenever these things were popping off. So it, these things are all feasible. But again, like dude, the last year's summer core set wasn't even standard legal. Half the crap they're printing, and I do use that word in a meaningful way. Yeah, uh, is not standard legal. <laughs> Me, a person who plays standard many times a week we'll see a preview for a card and go i have no idea if that's legal for the format that i'm about to be playing yeah like there's a lot of this criticism that has been levied by many people in the community and watsi just doesn't seem to be capable of understanding the dangers and the concerns that we have about these things like um it's it's just really frustrating to watch this all fall apart and like I think it's affecting standard, modern. Legacy is dead, dead where I'm at. Like, you like, it, you feel like you're talking about the Jedi, you know, from <laughs> and you're in A New Hope. Like, people are like, whoa, Legacy, I've heard of that. Yeah. You know? And, <clears throat> but I think, it, I g- genuinely do think it affects Limited as well. Like, the, the knock-on effect has been really, really noticeable where I'm at. And I, I think, for me, digital makes me want to play paper more. Um, mm-hmm. But again, I do understand, especially if you're cost-aware like or sensitive, and you're like, uh, because what is Grixis mid-range? Like $350? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not nothing. Yeah, and those cards are going to be worthless, right? Like when rotation happens, because what are you going to do with them? Mm-hmm. I like, you don't put them in a modern deck. I know that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't think you have time for turn three for Fable of the Mirror Breaker too terribly often, but maybe you do. Um, all right, Cameron, let's get out of the segment, come back, and talk about what else we've been up to. All right, Cameron. So I have not seen Black Panther. I may or may not go to the theater to see it. Mm-hmm. Um. Should would you recommend that being a a family adventure for me and my crew? Uh it's tough. I enjoyed my experience going to it. When I know that this is going to be on Disney Plus in December, I feel like you should just probably save the money on it at the end of the day. That being said, how do you rescue Black Panther? When your beloved, uh, you know, main character has passed away and you need to essentially just reboot the franchise. Um, 
tough, tough mountain to climb. And yeah. um, I, I, given what they what they had to deal with, um, I really much, very much had, uh, appreciate what Black Panther is. Um, the the four female leads really carry this this movie and um, move it forward in a way that it needs to happen. And so, in that sense, I very much enjoyed it. Um, we needed to talk about Namor, the Submariner. Yeah. Because uh, he, he he's great. And they did like a really interesting spin with this character that I, I actually had – I didn't know anything about going into the movie. And they, they totally kind of flipped my, my – um, I guess my expectations of Namor – in in this Marvel Cinematic Universe, um, I think for the for the 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 positive, like overall, I really like like what they're doing with this character. But dude, more than anything, I, I mean, especially when we're getting into like the weird Eternals, Jack Kirby sort of stuff, and now with Namor, the void of the Fantastic Four spearheading all this and moving the marvel cinematic universe forward is just deafening yeah (laughs) i I mean because you know what namor like i mean i've read so many comics with 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 submariner interacting with with black panther and it's great and like those two warring nations like the two most powerful nations (laughs) what do you want to call it in the marvel universe it's awesome and i love all that stuff but like, where is the where is the Fantastic Four? Dang it! <laughs> I'm just so angry. Like every single time these new movies are coming out, and I'm not seeing like who is the progenitor of like all of these characters and all of like the antics that are happening, and like the references that they're making. It's missing the Fantastic Four, and that is such a huge giant void in the marvel mcu um it makes me so angry because like black panther as a movie what it tried to do without chadwick boseman was great like i i I just really really appreciated it but like moving that marvel the mcu forward without the fantastic four and like in like introducing all these characters i mean like they make reference to the mutants, and it's like, okay, I see where they're going, but it's like, I don't need an Eternals movie. I need an X Men and a Fantastic movie, a Fantastic Four movie. Stat, like, like, what are we doing with this Marvel universe right now, man? Like, it's it's getting to the point of just like pure frustration. <laughs> no, and that makes sense because I don't know. I feel like where they kind of went wrong is. Uh, some of their story arcs, and I'm not Mr. I know the phases of the whatever, where they're at. The, yeah. Is this phase five now or something? I Sure. Let's say that. But when you make it about the threat and not not the core group of heroes, it kind of loses a lot of its punch. And I think that's what made Infinity War and Endgame so powerful. It was really about the heroes and the thing that they had to overcome, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think they executed on Thanos like really well, right? Um, it's a taller order with the Fantastic Four and Doctor Doom or Galactus or whatever they end up doing. 
But you're right. Like, I couldn't tell you what is the central core to where we're headed with this, right? Mm-hmm. And it's been like that for a while. There's things that I've really liked and disliked in the Marvel U um, since uh, Endgame, you know. Um, and, and I just struggle sometimes with the way that certain things are, like you're talking about the Eternals, which are, I mean, charitably a D-list comic. Mm-hmm. right and putting them in front of and i don't know if they were meant to be the centerpiece and then that didn't pan out and so they had to readjust some things yeah. but like putting that in front of the fantastic four and the x-men is crazy to me yeah you know and i don't understand what the rationale was for that and what what's so frustrating is is like if you go back to iron man one like the progenitor like like the the start of the mcu and they had that tease of the post credit the famous post credit scene of like I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative and everything always felt like it was building to the Avengers. And then after Avengers, it was all building towards Thanos. Right. And I, I, I mean, I've watched, I I don't know. We've had two years now of like these Marvel movies post Endgame, where I, I feel like they're not setting up the, the, the chess pieces correctly anymore. It's mm-hmm. like, okay, you got the Eternals. You got all this stuff. You have two of the, like the flagship things that are still like nowhere to be found. And I just feel like we're just swimming and just waiting for that. Deliver on that stuff so that we can actually move forward with like – I mean, like Submariner isn't. I mean, I've read a hundred of the Fantastic Four comics. I mean, he's like integral in like a quarter of those. Like, I mean, he's like in yeah. so much and so important to all of that. Black Panther as well. But like, I just feel like there's just like this giant void still with the MCU because they haven't delivered on like what I like. They haven't moved forward to like that thing that they need to deliver kind of like what they were doing for the Avengers. Yeah, and like it was like the multiverse, I guess, was the theme, but it wasn't really unified in the same way. I mean, I guess they're yeah. heading towards Secret Wars maybe, but yeah, uh, I think that's actually a thing. But it, it just doesn't feel as cohesive, right? Yeah. Um, but I don't want to like pan Black Panther because Black Panther as a movie and what they had to do with that, like it's good. It's just like the larger MCU stuff that I'm complaining about right now. Yeah. Yeah, I like for example, I really like Doctor Strange too. But it doesn't have the meta narrative that I'm like, oh, like if I watch Doctor Strange 2 many years from now, I'm going to have no idea where it falls in relationship to anything else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Same with Thor uh Love and Thunder, right? And like Yeah. You know, variations on on quality of the movies, but it's just like I don't know where this all fits. So, um however, a clinic, Cameron, in how you write and structure and act <laughs> and all these things is Andor. Please watch Andor. Don't give up on Andor before you watch episode six. We just finished episode ten. I, 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 I just this show is just operating on such a high level. I think it is genuinely. It's eclipsed Rogue One. Like very easily, and in fact, a lot of ways has improved upon Rogue One. Yeah, but the fact that it is so much about what the rebellion is, and like the sacrifices, and all this, and also with these really tight like thriller plots, 
I, I dude, it's it's my favorite Star Wars thing in so so long. Like I cannot wait. I wake up early Wednesday morning to watch these episodes. <laughs> yeah. Like yeah. I set my alarm 30 minutes early so I can go watch it. I, um, I I'm gonna be honest, I have not like I've enjoyed the fandom of Star Wars for the last 20 years, but I have not actually enjoyed something this much from Star Wars since watching the re-releases in like the late 90s of episodes four, five, and six when they did the special editions. I haven't had like this much fun <laughs> just consuming Star Wars content. It's great, dude. Yeah, and so I, I do want to, this is going to be kind of light spoilery. Okay, so if you okay. haven't done any of Andor, like, here's my warning. But one of the things I think is really underrated is the clarity of the journey of Cassian Andor throughout the course of this show. Like, there are some really great guest stars. There's some really great performances and things that are, and, and deservedly, very highly regarded. Uh, Skarsgård, unbelievable in this show. Mm-hmm. Lady who plays Mon Mothma. Mon Mothma. Unbelievable in the show. But Diego Luna, he goes from this guy that is not willing to be attached, all these things, to you see the character that he is going to become in Rogue One, little by little, chip by chip. And there, there are these moments that are, are also like through lines. Like he is way more ruthless than almost every other Star Wars hero in this most recent episode. You see a guard start to get up, and he just blows him away. Like, no questions asked. I mean, just straight smokes the dude, right? Mm-hmm. And Guido shot first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. let me tell you something. If it were Cassian in that seat, he's 100% shooting Guido first, right? Oh, like, yeah. this is not... <laughs> so he's still got that ruthlessness to him, right? He doesn't become a, quote, good guy, but... The, the the motivations behind the use of his ruthlessness changes over the course of time and the way you see him manipulate people to follow along with him and do the things that he needs them to do over the course of this show is is so subtle and really super well conveyed and feels it feels natural like I can't believe this show is better written than House of the Dragon like it is legitimately and there are there are you message me you're like how about that monologue at the end and i was like i had to think about which monologue yeah because there's two that are specifically amazing plus some really fantastic like one-liners right yeah that are just dripping throughout this whole thing so anyway please watch andor <laughs> <laughs> i'm just like shocked we're getting more than nine episodes too. Like I, I mean, we're on episode ten and just just keeps on delivering. It's like Christmas every week, uh, every Wednesday. <laughs> Dude, and like the the plan of the prison break was such a left hand turn, like because they gave you all these visual cues of what the different things that they might do, and then it totally just goes in a different. <laughs> You know, I felt dumb that I couldn't figure out the thing with the bathroom. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when it happened, I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Cool. Um, okay. Last thing I'll mention, 
So God of War 2 is not coming out on PC, right? Or not yet? Uh, it will be at least six months, right? Before we get it. So here's what I'm going to tell you because I'm about two hours in. It is very much the title of the game. It is <laughs> more of that. That was a really good thing. I haven't necessarily been blown away yet, but that's okay. Right? Like, I'm expect yeah. like, this is kind of the early phases. Um, and I've just really tried, I haven't even watched trailers on the game because I'm just so, like, ready to experience it, you know? But um, I'll be checking back in on you with that one. Okay. So, anyway, Cameron, if someone would like to get a hold of you and talk to you about all the thematic qualities of, uh, the show Attack of the Clones, the movie Attack of the Clones versus Andor, <laughs> where could they find you? I mean, for a couple weeks, I guess, left Twitter, <laughs> at Cameron underscore McCoy. I'm at Curtis now. Our official show feed is, at least in the near future, at Spike Feed MTG. We'll check you guys next week. <laughs>